Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. In space, no one can hear you scream. Unless you have a podcast. It's Space Castle! Join three nerds, I'm GT, I'm Alex, and I'm Seth, as they hurtle through space, debating movies, books, games, and answering your pop culture questions, all to maintain their own sanity. Space Castle, your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. Available wherever pods are casted. Engage intro voice. Murthers. Of all dinosauric persuasion. Welcome back to Mirths and Monsters. Expect some explosive action, chase scenes, conflict, maybe a big dinosaur fact. Ah, who are we kidding? It's gonna be sandwich based, isn't it? Ha ha ha. On with the pod. Well, hello, my friends. You join me as I'm tucking into a lovely sandwich. Not really. It's not always sandwiches, intro man, you cheeky monkey. We are back to continue our adventure with dinosaurs. Previously, we covered a smidgen of dino history. Barely even a smidgen. A smidget, if you will. It was an appetizer to the next course, and that course is heading back to have an actual gander at these amazing creatures. How they interact, what they eat, which will hopefully not be me and the furry crew. <laughs> Speaking of which, me and the gang had a conflab about which period we should actually go back and investigate. 
As we mentioned, not all of the dinosaurs were around at the same time, so me and the wee ones had to decide which period may be the best to check out, and it turns out that that is the most recent one, the Cretaceous. The reason we decided on the Cretaceous is that it has the T-Rex, Velociraptors, Triceratops, and also the tail end, pun intended, of the Brachiosaurus. Turns out Ray would like to slide down a Brachiosaurus neck. That won't happen, I hope, for someone's sake. If you would like to pause the show a wee second and look at pictures of these beautiful beasts, please do. Let me give you some interlude music. And we're back. While you were checking those out, me and the crew were preparing the cryptocycle for our journey to dino time. Bobby and Castiel have given the bike a thorough check mechanically and added some handy little devices that could help us in the overgrown land of the past. Jamie and Arda went full diagnostic wild on the computer side of things and, of course, the Anansi's magic is forever constant. Time to load up the bike with provisions. I knew we'd get there eventually. Hey, a guy's gotta eat. So... We load up the sandwiches, plenty of water, and a wee jug of Pepsi Max, and a couple other things that may come in handy when we get there. Okay then, furry crew, to your sidecars. Seatbelts to safe. Cranial protectors of power to maximum. I don't know why you just don't call them helmets, puny mortal. Ray, would you like a dreamy? Cranial protector of power on, puny mortal. Lower sidecar lids. Don't need to input the coordinates as I still have them from the previous trip back. Just need to press most recent. Okay. Here we go. We've arrived. Right all you lot, you know what to do. Bobby and Castiel jump out and immediately pick a tree to climb, hide in the branches and keep lookout. Finn leaps out and lands, in superhero fashion of course, behind the cryptocycle to keep an eye on the rear. Ray, Ray's fast asleep. I park up the cryptocycle and, well, I don't really need to use any kind of camouflage this time. We're surrounded by giant bushes and ferns and trees. Everything's so big. Heavens to Betsy. Ray. Ray. <laughs> Wake up, wee one. We're going to go meet Samisaurus. One, hop up. Ray boings up onto my shoulder and the rest of the crew join us. Right. Let us saunter. Murthers. All around us are a bucket load of conifer trees. Conifers really made their presence known during this period. I am kind of hoping to see some ginkgo trees as well. I've only ever seen them in pill form. And they're good for the, uh... They're good for the... 
Yep. Good for the memory. Good for the memory, don't you know? Oh, yeah. The ginkgo tree and ferns are two of the oldest plants that have ever existed that are still around in the present day. That is pretty impressive. And when it comes to new and evolving plant life, the Cretaceous period is where things really kick in. I mean, it kicked in over a period of millions of years. So not a swift kick. More of a lazy dangling foot swing as you sit on a stool that's just a little bit too tall for you. The point is, flowering plants really showed themselves during this time. And as we move along, you can see lots of them, which is gorgeous, but also reminds me that I read that along with the flowers came such things as butterflies, ants, termites, and bees. Now, I know I should be rational and scientific about this. However, my imagination is pretty powerful, and now I can't help but think of bees the size of Volkswagen beetles flying around and thinking that me and the furry crew need pollinating. Can you hear buzzing? I think I can hear buzzing. The bees! The bees! Oh, no, it's fine. It's my location device. Let's take a wee break, you lot. They seem relieved of the idea of a break. It's not ridiculously hot in this time. Not the eye of Sauron hot. By the way, the more I think about it, I don't think Sauron's eye was all fire. I think he may have had an infection. I mean, it's pretty open to the elements. Dust gets everywhere. I digress. The heat is hot, funnily enough. But even from my Scottish genetics, manageable. The furry crew, being furry, are wafting their hats over their faces to try and get a little cooler. I do declare. And even if we do get way too hot, we can have a dip in one of the gigantic seas dotted around the continent. The megalodon shark won't be around for millions of years, so I'm sure there's nothing there that would find us tasty, right? I'm sure none of the many plesiosaurs or pelosaurs or 40-foot-long mosasaurs or sharks or squid would be keen on having a nibble, right? Maybe we just stick to dry land. As we're having a wee sit-down, I should explain why I felt the need to take a quick trip back in the first place. I know that me and the crew have been on adventures where the chances of danger have been possible. For example, even with the research we did, who knows what could have been in the Bermuda Triangle? Alright, so it turned out to be alien cats from Pluto who were friendly, but you get the idea. This trip, though, well... Dinosaurs are really, really big, and they have teeth and claws and stuff. And just as a quick PSA, let me just say to the cats who are listening, I know you also have teeth and claws and could quite easily do damage if you wanted to, and a lot of you really want to, but maybe just less so than a 20-foot-high dinosaur. So because of that, I thought it'd be a good idea to pop back, get a lay of the land, before I took the furry crew. So that's what I did, and I got exceptionally lucky. I was lucky, because when I arrived, I was roughly six feet from a dinosaur. The exchange went something like this. Ah! Mm. 
So there it was. Eye to eye with a dinosaur. Okay, it was more like eye to their stomach. But what was in front of me was around seven foot high, which in centimetres is... Whew, a fair few. It kind of looked like a modern-day ostrich. And while ostriches are a tad taller, they are not 15 foot in length. And this smashing-looking creature also had wings. Sort of. It kind of had what you would call arms, but covered in feathers. Luckily, I knew what kind of dinosaur this was. This was an ornithomimus. The name means bird mimic. I got that name from the fossils that were found, and the feet were like those of a bird. But this was no bird. This was a rather large dinosaur standing right in front of me. The other thing I did know about the Orny is that they are considered to be more of a veg-eater than a meat-eater, which, I have to say, made me slightly less on edge. However, just in case, I did have a cunning plan up my sleeve. And by sleeve, I mean inside Finn's sidecar. I thought it would be a good idea to take with me a lot of meat. I've seen Jurassic Park. Some of those dinos dig meat. I do know that some dinosaurs are herbivores, who get by on plants and the like, or omnivores, who, like me, get by on both. So I did also take some veg. You know, carrots, cauliflower, cucumber, but no Brussels sprouts. Nobody actually likes Brussels sprouts, unless they're wrapped in bacon and dipped in butter. But I digress. Anyway, after the screaming had stopped, I reached into the sidecar, very slowly and pulled out what I thought was a bone. But it was actually a leak. My sense of touch is not what it was, I guess. Either way, I held it out before me, much like King Arthur probably did with Excalibur, and I hoped for the best. The huge dino bird looked down at this weird human holding a vegetable that is regarded as the national emblem of Wales. The country, not the massive sea-dwelling mammal. It lowered its head, took in a big sniff, and then, boof, the leak was gone and so was Orny. It grabbed the leak, turned round and bolted away. And oh boy was it quick. I'd read about that as well. It can reach speeds of over 30 miles an hour. Then I just sat there and waited. Hopefully, this would be seen as a friendly offering and Orny would come back. So there I sat, taking in the fact that I was sitting in dinosaur times with actual pterosaurs flying way above me. Pterosaurs are probably more known as pterodactyls, but pterodactyls is just the common name for flying reptiles. I was gazing up, lost in the moment, when I heard the rapid pounding of something approaching. Please be horny, please be horny, please be horny. It was horny. Oh, thank God. It looked down at me again, but I think I detected a more friendly look. I also can't keep calling it it, either. I had a gander up, and I could detect a hint of cheekiness poking through, which for some reason reminded me of a Murther's son called Sammy. Henceforth, Sammy Saurus is born. Sammy looked at me, and then looked at the sidecar, and gave the universal look of, well, I had a wee look, and grabbed a rather scrumptious-looking head of broccoli. I broke it down into florets, and one by one threw them up to Sammy's dinner grinder. Things were groovy after that. 
Who knew vegetables could be so helpful? From there, Sammy took me to his wee house. And by house, I mean cave. Which in itself was unusual, because from what I'd read, ornithomuses were a bit like ducks, and that they liked to be near water, lakes or the like. But not this one. Big old cave with a very comfy looking nest deep into it. Can't say I blame him, to be honest. This was the time of the T-Rex, after all. And, short arms or not, T-Rexes were the big-top arches of the time. It was in here that I left a location device. It wasn't made of vegetables, so I was pretty sure Sammy wouldn't accidentally eat it. Probably. It was also there that we learned some basic communication. The thing with Ornies is that they actually had bigger-than-average brains than you would expect, certainly for the time. So I decided to try something. I had a book with me about dinosaurs. Doesn't hurt to carry some knowledge with you when you're in the area. And Sammy picked things up very quickly. Smart thing. I showed him pictures of dinos that were around at this time, and judging by reactions, I could relate the reaction to the situation. I'll go more into this later, but needless to say, the noise related to a T-Rex is not one I'm going to forget. It sounded like this. We did that for a spell, and after a while I realised I should get back. I had been here for a while now, and when I return from a trip, I don't return to the same time I left. I make sure that the time I've been away has passed. Call it some kind of superstition. I left Sammy with all the food that I had, except one sandwich. I'd skipped lunch. And after trying to explain through gestures that I would be back again, and even though you're about to see me disappear into thin air, don't worry, everything is fine. And then I popped back to the present. And now here we are, resting in the shade of some massive ferns. The pterosaurs are gliding high above us. Butterflies, floofing from huge flower to huge flower, and then the buzzing of the tracker gets into my noggin. Okay, youngins, we're not that far from Sammy's place. About 47 clicks that way. Clicks? Puny model? Yeah, I don't know what it means either, wee one, but I've seen it in films a lot. It's about 112 metres northeast. We all get to our feet. This time I make sure we actually stay close. Normally Bobby and Cass would be taking the wings, checking for potential dangers, but this is a whole new world, and I need them by me for their safety. We push on, schlepping our way towards the comfy cave, location device buzzing with ever more urgency. Hey, I can see the cave coming up. Be on your best behaviour, okay? Who said that? The furry crew all look at me with wasn't us faces. Psst. How? That's coming from over there. We look to the right and deep in the massive bushes I can just see Sammy's face poking out. Psst. He says again and beckons us over with a feathery arm. As we walk over, I've got to ask, What's up, matey? Weren't you in your way home? He looks at me. I can now see he's 
terrified. Oh no. Is it... And that is all for this episode of Mirths and Monsters. Keep those nails strong for hanging off of that cliff. (laughs) If you'd be kind enough to stay after the music, I have something really quite important that I'd like to share with you about one of the Mirthers who's doing something very, very special for her nephew. For the time being, take care of yourselves. Slancha, your good health. Okie dokie, folkies. So, so this is on behalf of M. Cohen, who is a Martha in the group, who is just a lovely person anyway. I asked her to send me the details of what she's doing, so I'll just read it out for you, just so there's no confusion. So this is what M. wrote. So my nephew's name is Zachary, he's four, and he lives here in the States. My plan is to send him a postcard a week from either us, his aunt and uncle, or from someone around the country or world. I'm asking people to fill out the postcard if they so desire, telling a fun fact about wherever they live or whatever the postcard is from. Doodles are fine too. Just making sure it's appropriate for a four-year-old, of course. Once they fill out the postcard, I'm asking them to put it in an envelope and send that to me. That way I can fill out his info when it gets here on the postcard. His parents don't know I'm doing this yet, and I don't want to give out their address without permission. Also, if people want to put a stamp from their country on the postcard, that would be cool, but it's not required. That is a fantastic idea, and I know I already know that some of the Murthers are going to uh, send stuff on. I will post the details in the group again, I'll also put it in the show notes as well. And here is the P.O. Box address to send the, the postcards. M. E. M. P.O. Box 16927, Missoula, MT, that's Montana, right? 59808, United States. I will, again, I will put that in the details as well. So, I would love it if the Murthers could do this for the, the wee boy. It's such a very cool, very positive thing, which is something that M has been doing for a very long time. The gish wishes and stuff. So... If you could do that, that would be wonderful. No pressure, obviously. And there you go. That's everything for just now. The final installment of Dinosaurs will be back in two weeks' time. Oh boy, you do not want to miss it. It's very exciting. But, till I speak to you again. Look after yourself. Daddy Fling. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.